Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard on this radio station. Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to Parenting Hour. You're tuned into Unity FM 93.5 here in Birmingham in the heart of the city in this cold winter weather, mashallah, that we're having. But alhamdulillah, I hope in Luton you're having good weather down there and that you're tuned into us on Inspire FM 105.1. We're coming to you today to talk about a topic as today is FGM Awareness Day. And we know that this may be a topic that is not that suitable for a lot of uh, young people that may be listening in. And if you find that you are in the car traveling home or you are at home and that there is uh, people that are tuned into this, that you don't feel it is appropriate for them to hear about FGM, female genital mutilation, that maybe you should turn off or... um, turn to another channel or listen to something else while this program is on for this hour. Um, We felt it is a very important topic to bring to you today, being it the day that it is, and for people to be aware of what's happening and aware of legally what's going on here in the UK in regards to this. And for some people, we understand this may be your first time ever hearing these initials FGM and wondering what's that and what does it mean? But we're going to explain that today and we have with us our two guests that are professionals and experienced to talk about this topic. We have our resident health visitor Alice welcome back Alice hi um, Kathleen Slalikum to the viewers well well it comes to welcome back it's always great having you here what a pleasure for us Alhamdulillah. and we also have a guest we haven't heard her voice for a little while but she's been on many many shows in the past Dr Hasina Lockett Assalamualaikum 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 to all the listeners out there really real pleasure to be here on on your show Kathleen you're welcome it's so wonderful having you both here and we know that this is a topic that uh, is important for people to know and to understand and to be able to spread that message because it may be not for them but they may come across somebody at some time a neighbor or a relative or somebody talking about this and they're thinking okay I've heard about this topic on Unity FM on on Parenting Hour and I need to pass that information and Mm -hmm. we know this is how things pass through word of mouth through Mm. uh, talking to each other to understanding the topic Mm. uh, uh, what is FGM Mm. um, and what what it means for people so maybe I'll just start with that actually Alice if you can explain what is FGM what do these three words stand for Right, Kathleen, um, fem- FGM stands for female genital mutilation and it comprises of um, procedures that involve partial or total removal of the external female genital or other injury to the female genital organ or non- for non-medical reasons. So that's World Health Organization classification. Mm-hmm. It is also sometimes referred to as female circumcision. Um, there are no health benefits to FGM and it is recognised internationally as a human rights violation and there are four types of FGM. Okay, so a lot of information there that we mm-hmm. need to take on board about what it is and what's happened and and um, and you said there is different types there for different things. I don't think we have all the time today to go no. into it, but is this something that is widely practised in general, you know, is... We don't widely practice, yes, in some countries, but not all over the world. Um, We don't know where the roots of FGM have come from. um, It's complex and there are numerous suggestions. Uh, Indeed, it has not been exactly possible to determine the tradition 
as well, which is a tradition. So mm. we're not sure where it's come, but it does. Um, however, justifications for FGMR that it's custom and tradition, uh, religion um, in the mistaken belief that it's religious requirements. So it's not religious. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a uh, social acceptance, and especially for marriage, mm-hmm. and hygiene and cleanliness. Um, increase increases pleasure. Um, for family honour so um, to keep the family honour intact mm-hmm. a sense of belonging to a group mm-hmm. and, and enhancing fertility so these are the common beliefs um, held with FGM mm. Mm. So people that that um, either perform this or have their young girls that mm-hmm. uh, are go through this process, this is what they believe in. This is they why say, they and an acceptance for within the community. Mm-hmm. So you've got to understand the community has a, um, a, a big impact on mm-hmm. individuals, and uh, um, so does the culture of that community. And you've got to embrace that culture to be part of that community. Mm-hmm. So. Um, a lot of people are unaware that actually FGM is not practiced all over the world. So people in that country will actually think it's practiced all over. And it's so discreet as well. It's not commonly talked about. Mm-hmm. I think that is a big thing. That's probably why it's hard to know how many people are actually having it done because it's not commonly talked about. Do you have any statistics around that? Uh, that um, Hasina, do you, I know you, mashallah, you've written a book on this, which is really good. It's talking about experts uh, in the field and it's really important to get that message out there. So... Can you inform us a little bit about those statistics? I think, as Alice has mentioned, it's difficult to put a figure on it. But I know, that, you know, re- the uh, estimations that have been done say that there's there's approximately 130 million girls wim- and women worldwide who have undergone the procedure. And I think the the link with Islam, which is why we felt it was important to talk about it here today, is because a lot of the countries in which the practice happens um, happens to be in countries where there's a big Muslim population. So there's this link, um, which is totally erroneous that, you know, it's to do with Islam and it really isn't. we know that there are, it's been practiced for gen- hundreds and thousands of years and it comes from the pharaonic traditions yeah. and that's where again it's going it's, it predates islam it predate, predates all the mainstream religions and also i think it's important to say that it's not just been practiced by individuals from uh, who who may be muslim from the muslim community but also in judaism in christianity so it's been practiced in a lot of the the main religions but like i said because it it tends to happen in a lot of african countries where islam is the predominant religion mm-hmm. that's where the link is and that's where everybody thinks it's a muslim tradition but if you go to Saudi Arabia, if you go to a lot of the other um, countries like Malaysia, they haven't heard of it. So mm. what does that tell us? That tells us that, well, hang on, if it was if it was an Islamic tradition, then surely the, in these countries it would be practised as well. So I think it's important to understand the history of it. Um, and for any, I think it's really important for us as Muslims to... to put that record straight that mm-hmm. actually this is not not in our yeah. name as Muslims please yeah. because it really isn't mm-hmm. um, a Muslim tradition. I remember hearing first about it oh going back maybe 23, 25 years ago and my girls were very very young they were just toddlers at the time and I'd never heard of such a thing before <coughs> and never came across mm. it and then um, when, I ca- when I heard about it I, I ca- had a conversation with my mother-in-law mm. 
and she never heard of it either and she was what's this this is mm. not Islamic what what do you mean but uh, you know uh, some people it's prevalent in some countries mm. and it was because I heard of that and the shock of it I, that I, I rang her and uh, you know I was really really concerned and I think a lot of people are like me actually, it's interesting you say that because um, the reason the way I stumbled across it was when I was at university mm. I read an, uh, an article in, I think it was in Marie Claire magazine mm. about female circumcision I was thinking oh well, this sounds interesting mm-hmm. read about it saw the saw that it was linked with Islam and I thought hang on a minute I've never heard of this mm. before you know what's this all about mm. that really got me interested in it because I thought well you know is is this really an Islamic tradition or you know is it something I've just not heard of so then I started looking into it and it was also at the time when I was doing my clinical psychology um, studies and I was I was looking to research something and, and because I you know this was something that started interesting me that that's how I got into it as well so like you it was something I just happened to stumble across and as you said at the beginning there's going to be people listening to this program who will never have heard of this mm-hmm. or will, will have particular ideas about you know what it involves so I think it's it's good to, to be talking Mm. about this in a very open way like I said because a recent um, article um, from, I think it was in the the Independent newspaper article, suggested that Birmingham is actually a hotbed for the number mm. of uh, the incidents of FGM, and that's quite shocking, really. So I think it's important that we do discuss it, mm. and that we are able to at least understand what it's about, really. Especially as health professionals, school teachers, mm. police, you know, there's lots of professionals who need to know what's happening, what's happening? because of the mm. uh, the legislation as well, which I think we'll probably move on to talk mm. about as well in a minute. So, listeners if you are travelling with children at the moment home in the car and you don't feel it's appropriate for them or if you're at home with uh, children listening in and you don't feel it's appropriate to have the radio on for them please it's ch- change to another channel we are talking about FGM female genital mutilation we do understand that coming out at this hour of the evening 5 to 6pm is a family time and that there may be children around but the information needs to get out there because we have a lot of professionals as uh, just mentioned driving mm. home and they need to know about this as well as other parents who need to know about this to get that message out there mm-hmm. seeing that uh, Birmingham is such a high mm. you said uh, instance of happening in Birmingham I yeah. wonder what what's going on here in Birmingham mm. that that's happening uh, and uh, we're going to talk about yes that's been illegal and all of that in, in a few minutes but before we do that maybe we should talk a little bit about the health issues and more around uh, the, the circumstances of why people feel that that they need to have this done for their girls. Mm. Um, Kathleen the um, health implications are horrendous for FGM. You can have um, FGM results in serious and sometimes life-threatening health complications. These can include pain, bleeding, infections and difficulty with childbirth. Um, The health complications are both short and long-term and some women live with these health complications for the rest of their lives. And that's why, of course, you as a health visitor and Mm -hmm. midwives need to know about this Mm -hmm. because you can imagine the emergency in a hospital coming in to deliver a baby if Mm -hmm. if the patient had it done. We need to know about it beforehand if that's the case. But, of course, prevention, because that's what we're talking about. Yeah, we have for for the midwives. We have got um, a great service um, Mm -hmm. and um, we've got a a specialised midwife who does actually provide the training for student midwives and they've just recently started providing it for student nurses as well so which is great and um, health visitors have the training on a regular basis um, so it's just absolutely just recognize the signs and about the mandatory reporting and okay. yeah so yeah we are aware most professionals in the health sector should be aware mm-hmm. um, um, but it's other professionals and uh, other parents and 
you know, the local community that mm-hmm. should, probably should be have some knowledge on the subject. And, and hopefully that should be reassuring to those women who may have experienced FGM mm. because it can be quite a traumatic experience for them to have to go to a health profession if they are having complications. Mm. And I know when I was doing my research at a time, we're talking 20 years ago, at mm. a time when it wasn't really widely understood. So mm. a lot of these women would present to health services and they would get looks of shock and horror from the health professionals who had never seen anything like this before. So you can imagine the, the kind of traumatic effects that would have on these women. Mm-hmm. Now with the training that's, that's mandatory for a lot of health professionals like nurses and midwives and doctors, that awareness is there. So women should not be being subject to those kind of reactions which can actually add to their trauma that, mm. they, that they've experienced. So I think that's, that's really, really important that women can feel confident that health professionals will deal with them with dignity and with respect, which is what they do really and it's not just the health implications um, which are after it it's during the procedure and FGM can be carried out by untrained um, women and um, non-medical just local people they don't. They have m- limited <coughs> knowledge on the medical profession, the health professional, and um, such as tools, hygiene. Um, so it's just um, not just the process after, but it's during as well. So, um, so where are these procedures usually carried out um, in the UK? Where do people hear about it in the cultures? I mean, this is not an Islamic thing. and this We know we're trying to get that message across today that FGM is not an Islamic concept. And we're going to come to it being maybe illegal as well. How, how are these, then, these procedures taking place? Okay, so we talked a little bit before about the statistics of, of the number of women that have that are living with um, FGM. Now, a lot of these women are have migrated to the UK, so the practice will have been done back in their home countries. Nevertheless, um, we do know that there are that the girls who are being born and brought up here from the FGM practicing communities are some of them are at risk. Some of that. Um, it's, and it's difficult to measure where and how, how often it's being done, but some of that might be um, FGM being practiced illegally in this country, and we, we know it happens, um, but it's very difficult to, to root that out, really. Mm-hmm. Um, we also know that uh, a number of young girls are taken back to their countries of origin, so sometimes it may be school holidays, they'll be taken back there, where FGM is still practiced quite normally, and that's where it'll be done on them. So again, it's very difficult, and because with the legislation as well, it's you know it's it's very very underground still. So whilst there are you know we do we do know that um, that it, that it is still being carried out here, it's difficult to to get people to actually come forward and talk about it. So it's it's um, it's hard to know then how many are being done, and yeah. and where are these people being done? Do you think in the UK because it's so underground like this? Where has it been done? I think, like Alice mentioned before, sometimes it may well be untrained professionals that might be doing it in their homes, mm-hmm. you know, or, uh, you know, it, obviously it's not going to be taking, pa- taking place in, in health centres, in hospitals or anything like that because it's, uh, it's illegal to have this done. So we can only assume that it's happening underground um, and that people are, are providing resources, whatever, um, in their own homes or, you know. I, I imagine that's that's what's happening yeah. at the moment. Yeah, we haven't had um, many prosecutions in this country, but we've had many in um, France. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Exactly. Well, I don't think there's been any prosecutions in this country. Um, it's, it's again, it's 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 very it's a, it's a very sensitive issue as well. So um, it's yes, it take it's not just about legislation. It, it's we need to have a multifaceted approach here when we're trying to deal with this. We need to be working with communities. We need to be working with schools. We need to be working with the police. You know, it's it's a, got to be a joined up approach and not one where we're just shaking a stick saying like this shouldn't be happening here. We, it has hmm. to be a, a holistic approach really. Can we just clarify the UK law on, uh, on this? Because we were talking a, a lot about the UK legislation and the law, and uh, I think things have changed recently. I'm not sure of the date. Was it last year that it became illegal? Time goes by very quickly for me, so it could have been the year before, but I, I remember that it came into law here in the UK. It's actually been illegal in the UK since 1985. Since 85? Since 85. Yep. But again, because, it's, because it was a practice that not many people knew about, yeah. it's not one of these legislations that, you know, that's been widely known really. I need to brush so up my law. I didn't realise that. Since so when we say it's illegal, it's not only illegal to perform the procedure in this mm -hmm. country, but it's also illegal for girls to be taken outside of the of the UK to have it done in there in, in other countries and then to be brought back here. That is illegal and um, parents can be prosecuted if they're allowing that to happen as well. Um, and I think that's that's been a big that's been a big change and that's what what we need to be educating communities about as well that mm. you know it's it, just because it's illegal it just, just a lot of people think that it's mm. just illegal to have it done here but actually it's it's it goes beyond that mm -hmm. so taking people outside as yeah. well to mm -hmm. have it done or somebody travels which was updated from the serious crime act last year so oh that's where that's i, I change yeah. that's the change that i heard about yeah. so that's where i came a lot of people were talking about that yeah. so it was upgraded but we mm -hmm. still haven't had a prosecution for that yet. But you were talking about in France, there's been a lot. In France, they were because France does tend to take a heavier hand on the legal mm -hmm. side. But I think with us, we'd like to educate parents. And and on a positive note, it has increased awareness mm -hmm. um, on uh, National FGM um, uh, Awareness mm -hmm. Day, so which is international. Mm -hmm. We've uh, had um, many uh, conferences. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be I think probably about 20 conferences throughout um, England mm -hmm. and um, we've also got drop-in mornings for parents to come in and have discussions so it's raising awareness and the parents are actually getting involved from communities to discuss the issues and um, support get support themselves from these support services that are available. And these awarenesses, you know, do work. I actually was talking to somebody, she wasn't. She doesn't work here in the UK, she works abroad in Africa, some of the countries you were mentioning earlier on, and um, a father was wanting to bring his child mm. for, for FGM, and after they working with the father and showing the procedure and what happens, mm. He actually didn't know what it was about, and mm. he was only being pressurised because of culture, but he didn't know the mm. procedure. And from that training that they went through, he turned and started educating people against it and becoming mm. a leader in his yeah. community mm. to educate others. And now that whole village mm. has stopped doing FGM as a result of this. Mm. So as a result yeah. of just one case of one father mm. who was... Uh, brave enough to come for the training, okay, what is this about, mm -hmm. what's going on, um, change the uh, opinions of everybody else. So mm -hmm. this is why we need to be talking about these topics here yes, yes. Uh, and getting the message out here in the UK as well, mm -hmm. because it's not just in Africa, as you mentioned earlier on, it is everywhere in every country. Absolutely. And I think going back to the link that it, it tends to have with uh, Islam and religion, mm -hmm. 
no matter whether whether our imams locally in the mosques are saying we've, well, we, it doesn't happen in our communities and it's not our problem. Actually, if it's being done in our name, then I think as Muslims mm. we all have a responsibility to not you know, to ed not just educate ourselves but to educate others. Sometimes the communities really genuinely believe it's a religious practice because that's what all they've been taught for generations and generations. Mm -hmm. In order to change that, we need our, our Islamic scholars to be, to be making those noises and saying, well, actually, you know, let's look at the evidence. Mm -hmm. and we need them to be talking about it in, in the mosques, in the Friday prayers, in the sermons, mm -hmm. so that it's raising awareness. And like you said, sometimes it can just be, you know, one person's change of attitude that can lead to a whole generation of change. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. we do need to be talking about some of these very sensitive issues that are affecting our communities locally. And it's, this isn't an, an, an international problem mm -hmm. that doesn't affect us. It's affecting our communities mm -hmm. on our doorstep. Mm -hmm. And because the world has gone so small now, of yeah. us, uh, we travel over and back continent so easily it, it we we all need to be aware of this mm -hmm. S sorry alice you're going to say i was just going to say it's um, the islamic sharia council and the muslim college mm -hmm. and the muslim council of britain have all condemned the practice mm -hmm. of fgm within the muslim community and um, have highlighted that fgm is not an islamic requirement and there's no reference to it in the holy quran um, that states a must the girls must be circumcised nor is there any references authentic references in the sunnah so uh, and again, I think that's that's because one of the practices. There's different, as Alice mentioned before. There's four different types of FGM. One is known as the Sunnah. Mm -hmm. So automatically, people think, oh, Sunnah. So it must be Islamic, and it's not. That's just a name that's unfortunately been associated with it. But it has nothing to do with uh, with it with the Sunnah practices whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and because one of the principles in Islam, which our beloved Prophet taught us, was that do not harm yourselves or others. Mm -hmm. So you know that just shows that harming others mm -hmm. or harming your children in that sense mm -hmm. which has such health implications copyright mm -hmm. oh, it's, it's, it's a really difficult um, for me just to sit here and just absorb all of that because I'm, I have images in front of me uh, as you're talking about mm -hmm. as probably a lot of our listeners do as well um, so listeners we are talking about this topic because it is important it is important to get that message out there it's important to understand it yourself and it's important to talk to others about it, men and women, because it's not just something that is in the women's area. Men shouldn't talk about it. Looking back on that example of this person in Africa, yep. he was able to change, yes, all the generations to come and his whole village. Mm -hmm. And it could be you out there this, hearing this today and thinking, OK, I need to speak up about this. I, I know of this procedure happens or did happen in families. Mm -hmm. I can make a change and it's every little bit that counts it's mm -hmm. those little small actions that can all build together those little discussions in the masjid those little discussions mm -hmm. in the home with your neighbours that's what starts it off mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I wonder how could we increase that a bit more and help our imams to have these discussions you know they might not know where to start because you know it's 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 different it's kind of like women's arena women's private area women's mm -hmm. aura that's not mentioned so much mm -hmm. i wonder how could we as professionals here um trying to help them? well i have had a discussion with my local um imam and mm -hmm. um there is this um thought that oh it doesn't happen in asian communities but unfortunately, I had to put him right there, but it does. Mm -hmm. So it does have an impact on Asian communities, and it is practised in South Asian communities. So, um, yeah, there is also training available, so mm -hmm. which four would provide, and the local safeguarding boards provide on FGM. So if local imams did want to 
get some training and some knowledge on that they could and by all means they can have discussions with myself and I'm not sure if Hasina feels um, we, we're always happy to have discussions and go through things with the mom. so if anyone wants to contact us by all means mm-hmm. well, I think just generally <coughs> in terms of things like health related issues I think we probably need more discussions on things like that so I think mm-hmm. a lot of our Islamic bodies organisations you know they, they run conferences they run workshops and you know really we need to be getting some of these on the agenda so that they are they're being th- th- these are open they can be openly discussed and debated and and those conversations can happen mm-hmm. um, so I think I think again if there are uh, individuals who 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 are in in charge of running conferences workshops for any Muslim is, Islamic organisations come and speak to us you know we can point mm-hmm. you in the right direction we can get people in to mm-hmm. to do workshops so mm-hmm. you know we're very very open mm-hmm. to that really mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and there is some funding out there that people organisations can apply for for to put on these workshops uh, if they need it uh, to put one or are these workshops free are the people already there providing yeah. free workshops yeah there there is uh, you can access funding there is funding available um, such as Forward which is in London based to charity but they have a lot of funding which you could tap into on, mm-hmm. especially in FGM Women's Aid in Birmingham um, mm-hmm. they do a lot of supporting work for women who've undergone FGM um, but I'm sure they can signpost us as well. But uh, we're offering services for free, so we're offering to come out in the evenings or on the weekends, which we can discuss and go through. Um, and we've also, I've got links, uh, I'm not sure if Hasina's probably got links as well, charities and organisations which we can request to get extra support from other health professionals. Okay. So there's a lot of help out there. there is, yeah. um, there's a lot of knowledge out there about mm-hmm. this topic now. We we are speaking about it, raising awareness mm-hmm. there. Somebody may just be coming into, sitting into your car now and just turned on the radio and wondering what we're talking about. We are talking about FGM. We do understand, listeners, that this may be a topic that is not... Uh, suitable for every family at this time of the evening but it is something a message that we want to get out there to raise awareness to change practices not just for one individual but for many individuals Mm -hmm. and many societies and it's not just for one culture it is affecting lots of different cultures as we mentioned it's affecting a lot different religions where Mm -hmm. many think it is also a religious requirement which is not a religious Mm -hmm. requirement as you mentioned already and we're going to talk a little bit more about all of this in detail when we come back after the break inshallah Um, listeners you you may want to just sit down and make yourself a drink after the now over the break Mm -hmm. um, and maybe get a pen as well if you want to jot down anything about contact numbers uh, etc that we will be giving out after the break inshallah Uh, So please do uh, not tune out completely, but tune back into us after this commercial break. As-salamu alaykum.